0: Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. The 805 Conversations podcast is produced every other week. Please subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and continued encouragement. And thanks to my podcasting partner, Patrick from Pull String Press, for this great studio. Hey, Patrick. Ah, good morning, Mark. You know, Patrick, uh, we, were, we yuck it up about, or I do, about <laughs> Finland, uh, our, our listeners in 42 countries. And yet neither of us have looked up how to say hello in Finnish. <laughs> oh, gosh, next, you're next, right. week. next week. Okay, I'm going to yeah. totally do that. Uh, but I pulled a list. Of of the country. Of the country. The no. top ten countries. Okay, I'm ready. And Finland's number four. That's <laughs> I mean it's United States, <laughs> there you go, I got Finland. it. There you Australia, go Finland. Canada, Finland, the UK, Portugal, you're Germany. Do, wait,
1: wait, you're doing those too fast.
0: Okay. Finland. Wait, what's what, number ten? Have New you never, Zealand.
1: have never seen David Letterman. Ten. Oh, 10 New oh Zealand. sorry
0: ten. Okay, sorry. Number ten, <laughs> yeah, New Zealand. There you go. The oh, Kiwis. Yeah. Number nine, Brazil. What in Brazil? Well, yes. you have
1: a client in Brazil, so that makes sense. Yeah, the,
0: right. I, if so, if I have shouted out your country, please drop us a note <laughs> to mycountry at eight hundred five connect. We'd love to know more about how absolutely your,
1: what your commute looks like.
0: Yeah, and, and and what it is you like about the show? Because yeah. um, I, you know, we try to talk to people. And have conversations that have general applicability but we can't all over even, the world. But we
1: can't even make it through a top 10 list without a, sequ- <laughs> a digression.
0: See, see how we are? Well, I, okay. I, I want to digress right now because we have someone in the studio who uh, met several years ago. And uh, John Silva is the president and senior creative director at the Dupuis Group, which is a nationally ranked marketing firm based in Ventura, yeah. California.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a good story. Thank you, by, by the way, Mark. It's great to be with you guys. And Patrick, thanks for having us. Um, yeah, so we, we go back a ways. Um, we started out West Coast, uh, developed an office in Chicago uh, about 15 years ago, and uh, ever since have just uh, been developing and growing. We have some people scattered around here and there in strategic markets that give us access to different uh, brain trusts and um, uh Trends and other things that affect our business and our clients businesses, but it's been a great run a great run
0: how much of your business is?
2: Um, Central Coast based and how much of it is? National clients. Yeah, it's a good question I think when we first set out we had a lot more local clients as we grew and developed our, our Not only our brand and, and design acumen but our business acumen and solving bigger problems it became much more national and even global um, because those things flatten the earth very quickly. You know. Problems occur everywhere and opportunities occur and can be driven anywhere. So most of our clients are, uh, we do have some West Coast clients. I've got a few in Los Angeles area. Um, uh, in Ventura, there's a few clients. Uh, Patagonia is a client, uh, Patagonia Provisions, uh, which is actually based up north. And then uh, WD-40 in San Diego, uh, Dole in Westlake, uh, Farmer John out in the Los Angeles market. So we do have quite a few. But I do travel quite a bit, we have, we're spread around.
0: You're on the airplane
2: a lot. Yeah, a lot of flying.
0: Lot of flying. So um, for our listeners not aware of like what the jobs are within an agency mm-hmm. like yours, senior creative director. Now, what are the other kind of positions that are in that kind of agency?
2: So, typically, you will have some sort of creative leadership. Um, in our case, our agency is run by designers. I mean, Stephen and I met Stephen oh. Dupuis um, probably about 30 years ago. I've worked with him for 25. And, uh, you know, he's a designer, but designer before business person, and that has its advantages and disadvantages. But that's sort of the way our agency is led. We're really a, a design-centric company, even when we get out into higher strategic spaces. Uh, but From there, you have creative directors, and and my senior creative director role is kind of just a, a lug on to say that there's more than just an administrative purpose to being a president. I mean, I'm still in that very highly creative seat and driving a lot of programs, but I'm really kind of a disruptor, a strategic disruptor. We have creative directors that work at Dupuis that, from a classic standpoint, are much better at that role than I ever was, and that's probably one of the secrets of having a successful company
1: is not being the, the, the hottest fastest gun in the West Well that's
2: right well first of all, you don't want you to be the speed bump right, right? And right. also uh, you definitely want to hire people who are better at most things than you mm. are that's that's mm. and that's humbling and it also and it's leadership yeah uh, yeah I think so and Steven sets that bar. Uh, but we have a lot of designers, uh, strategic people, quant geeks, uh, people that are into cooking, people that are into uh, writing I mean all kinds of creative arts as well as analytical, um, Tell me
0: about the quant geeks, because I I'm <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I met the chief strategic officer for McCann World Group, mm. which is you know the number four agency in the world. Yeah, and his his the big thing he was impressing me with was that they had 25 PhDs, right? Huh. Quants, right? That's a deal.
2: Yeah. Is that uh, personal hairdresser? Is that PhD? Because yeah. uh, we, we uh, got a couple uh, of those, yes. too. Uh, yes. uh, 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 but I, I I'll say that uh, you know, from a quant geek standpoint, we're… Explain to the audience what that is. Uh, first of all, it's not meant to be as derogatory as it no, sounds. It's, no, it's um, <laughs> Every people time I know. say it,
1: it's a little worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah.
2: Oh, no, there's the quant geek there. Uh. Um, it, it's actually a, a compliment because, as we know, our, our world today is largely driven by data. So who's analyzing the data? Who's driving actionable um, initiatives from it? Right. Um, exactly. Intel knowledge, but it's also it's also becoming more and more human um, mm-hmm. because it's not just about big data; it's about relationship today. So when we think about who in our company can can really analyze data to extract human insights,
1: well, and communicate that back to you, yeah. on the other side, because I would think that would be a real problem of just like, well, here's a number. Well, what does that number
2: mean? Correct. And it's and, and for me, like I look at at an Excel document or uh, a, a data pull or some sort of a, a piece of analysis. And I'm, I look at it, just, it's just numbers for me. Right. I mean, you know, I'm not, right. Right. Uh, to right. me, it's like looking at the matrix. I'm one of the ones who can't see <laughs> no, the, no, the, the girl in the red dress. Right. I don't see right. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but, pe- but there are people who can. There's sort of the, 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 the whisperers that can pull from it. And it can really drive and give a lot of efficacy to what we do.
0: Well, it's I, I don't think people quite understand how critically important that role is. Mm. What does the guy say? It says I spend, uh, you know, all this money on my marketing budget, and fifty percent of it is not working. I just don't know which fifty percent. That's exactly right. And the that was Yogi Bear. <laughs> <laughs> it had to have been Yogi Bear. But having someone, especially with the access to data that you have now, mm. and it's more than just that, though. It's the the way I understand it. It's the it's the targeting that they can give you. Like so, you understand the client and the Mm -hmm. client's needs and the outcome and and what that is and then you come up with a strategy to get at that and then you come up with the languaging but then where am I going to point all those words
2: yeah that's it that's exactly right and but you know the thing that we know there's a, there's a canyon to fill on the front side. There is what is the business problem to solve. What is the strategy? A canyon
0: to f- Paint that picture for me. That sounded interesting.
2: Yeah. So on one side you have business goals, you have business strategies, and uh, and certainly objectives. And when you when you tie in, if if Wall Street's involved now, you have complexity of you know what does it look like? What do earnings look like? Is it top line, bottom line growth, whatever it may be? On the other side, you have uh, trends in in our society and in our culture and the God, way that that's we... that's not
1: who I thought would be on the other side of the canyon. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah exactly. No, keep going, dude. It's good, it's good, it's good. It's just, I love that you twisted it. Was me. that a little shallow? Uh, the, <laughs> no, it's... No, 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 yeah, no, Yeah. So on it's the other side of the... Deep, actually. They, but, yeah. there, but there's all... There's the way that we behave as a society, the way we encounter and, and deal with uh, choice, which can be very paralyzing. Uh, you know, choice is so... We have so much choice that it's very difficult to ever know if you're making the right decisions, especially Mm, as a mm, consumer. Like, mm, I don't mean mm. to to distill this down to just a commercial space because there's a very deeper human purpose to all this. But from the perspective of what we do as a company, looking at the behaviors and looking at the business objectives and finding the right connection. And the bridge that you connect the two with is really values. Wait, you said bridge. Yeah. You just said oh. bridge,
1: but f- the first thing you did was you said fill in the canyon. Yeah. And I was waiting to be like, oh my god.
2: Well, you, as you know, you can't fill in a canyon, so you got to build a bridge over it. Okay. Because I was going to be oh. like, I was
1: going to be like, what an ambitious. Like either you're misevaluating <laughs> a canyon over, like, oh, that's a gully. Because yeah. a gully you might be able to fill, fill in. You can fill a gully. Yeah. It's actually
2: it's a it's an interesting uh, paradigm you brought up there because it, it, to fill the canyon would take. Uh, first of all, something that would be very slow to change. Mm-hmm. But a bridge can maybe, I mean, maybe I'm taking the metaphor too far, but Why I think not? a no, bridge is a little, bit, I'm a little more flexible, a little bit more nimble, and that's sort of the name of the game today. Today also is you can't just create these evergreen strategies that you expect right. to last. Um, and even profiling consumers, doing segmentation studies, these things run their course too quickly now to where you question the value because putting that's... people in buckets today is about as valuable. Um, it, well, it's about as invaluable as anything else. That, it, it's the water that goes under the bridge. You know, you're gonna. It moves so fast. It moves very Ask fast. Ask Snapchat. Just,
1: so, um, <laughs>
0: those poor You, guys. you know, a, a couple of things there. One is, um, how do you get a strategy that lasts longer than a news cycle?
2: Mm. Well, I think your strategy has to be deeper than perhaps what strategies used to be. Business strategies, I think in the past, resembled uh, more tactical ideas rather than longer term strategic ideas. Because if your strategies are tethered to the values of your company, that can be evergreen. Okay. Because your values really, you can morph and evolve, but your values really shouldn't shift. And that's what consumers, if you want to, again, staying with that consumer construct, they're looking to connect with companies that have shared values because most companies in the past have driven value they think well let's let's create value in the market well you know if if 75% of millennials today are, would be completely fine if 50% of the brands on planet Earth just went away? Mm-hmm. What does right. that tell sure, you? Sure. It tells you that there's, there's not a deep connection or a, value, a human value to those businesses, to those individuals. So we have to draw that. That bridge is based on values.
1: I mean, but, I'm sorry. But pointing right back to, to every single iPhone that they have in their pockets, I mean, Kylie Jenner just tanked Snapchat the other day, which was what the, the mm-hmm. reference I was making, by simply saying, is anybody else not opening that app? And it just it dropped 1.3 billion dollars in their funding in one day, wow. and so so th- clearly she's an influencer uh, to make that statement and to you know to shake it up. But mm-hmm. but simultaneously, I- exactly to your point, if you if you looked at any grab any person with an iPhone and say how many of those apps it's like cleaning out your purse, how many of those apps <laughs> have you not opened since yeah. you downloaded it, and that are Fortune 500 companies? Yeah, like if you have a if your app is on people on everybody's phone but it's never opened.
0: Have you seen uh, in mm-hmm. the latest, I just upgraded my phone, and there's a new setting that says discard disused apps. So oh, I, yeah. I was like, oh,
2: yes, I want that. Can we get that like for our home? Yeah. Discard we, disused it's Nor- items.
1: It's called Norwegian death cleaning. <laughs> it really is. is. Is Norway on your list? <laughs> yeah, Nor- finish. They're right cleaning. near, yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, That's great. So... Uh, I, this values not value mm-hmm. yeah. So my messaging then as a brand is to attach to connect the values the bridge I've drawn just so my listener knows I've, I've drew this picture because I think visually I, I love this idea of connecting the values but that feels like a way to talk to
2: a certain segment which is the millennials. Well, it depends. Uh, actually, but you have to think that think of millennials now as as less of a people group and more of a it's it's more of a, a psychographic than a demographic. Oh, my. Because yeah. I think, you no, you know, the oh. millennial mindset is because yeah. you know, it's really easy, again, to do a segmentation type approach to people and say, and in fact, I would I would suggest that the minute you say who your consumer is, you've already kind of missed an opportunity because there is no, like I, I, a lot of our clients will say, oh, our target consumer, her name is Sarah. She yeah. has 2.3 Traditional children. Traditional avatar. Yeah, exactly. But the problem is that human being, now you're just looking at them and you're trying to skin it with humanity, but it's really just data. And mm-hmm. if it's only data, you're lacking real relationship. So you're analyzing everything. And by default, a lot of your, your activities are going to be value driven because you're not really basing it on human insights. You're basing it on behavioral observations. Um, so I think you know, and again, it, there's no there's no cracking the code on this in particular. But I think the closer you get to uh, number one, realizing that transparency isn't an option. You don't you don't opt in to be a transparent company anymore. You just you just are. I mean, uh, anybody can pick up their smartphone and learn right. what's really driving a corporation. Uh, with very little energy whatsoever, I was you saying, know yeah. that was a that was a big myth a while back, maybe five ten years ago. when companies said we we are setting out to be more transparent. It's Like, yeah. well, you don't have to try because we see right through everything you're saying.
1: Well, yeah, well, that's so. One of your your early statements there is, uh, you know, it's it's values. If you tie tie it to values, well, what, what what happens when you bump into a client? You don't have to name name names that, uh, but like, what happens when you bump into a client? and You through your due diligence, realize they don't have a value system here at this company. How, do you? Is it part of your gig to like give them a, essentially a, I have a to conscience? It's
2: a, it's a really smart question, and it's one of those uh, where our values as an agency is to say, look, we want to be the kind of friend who's willing to tell you a pepper in your teeth, <laughs> sure, sure, or sure, that sure. your flies down, or whatever yeah, it might right. be because you, ultimately you really value those friends. And to me, uh, again, keeping it on a really human level, yes, I like to tell our clients, look. Maybe I'm risking being unpopular, but that's my goal is not to be popular with you. My goal is to help you drive your business. So, uh, what you say are values are really brand values. What about your corporate values? Mm -hmm. And typically, sometimes you can get a little bit of the uh, the kind of gratuitous oh sustainability and you know transparency and these things. But you got to drill a little deeper. Like, well, what's the real story? What taps? What taps? What story are you tapping into that gives? Uh, a little bit of evidence for what those values really are that people can believe, because just because you say it is irrelevant, you know it's it's not right. what you say your brand is. It's what they say your brand is. We did a show on that, yeah. Early In the early days. You see, um, you see me tying back, doing a loop yeah, back for you? Thank you. you. <laughs> nice nice, <laughs> provide, nice yeah. callback yeah. Uh, for all of our it's improv not, listeners. It, wait, but know I want
1: to highlight what you just said there. It's not It's not what, because this is one of those statements I've heard over and over again. Mm-hmm. It's not what you say your value system mm-hmm. is. It's what other people say your value system
2: is. When you leave yeah. the room. Yeah, it's you yeah.
1: can't give yourself
2: a nickname. Like, <laughs> you know, that, It's exactly right. And, and So <laughs> nickname, tagline, yeah. whatever it might be. Yeah. When we worked with the city of Ventura to do the new identity for the downtown uh, business district, and it was really kind of the, the branded face of Ventura from a commerce standpoint. Um, one of the things that we had to get them over the hump with was that they had this assumption, and understandably so, that uh, a municipality or, or a, a, a city will typically undertake a branding project, for instance, and try to be so aspirational about what it wishes it was or hoped that it would be, that you you kind of jump the shark and you end up finding yourself... Um, tying to things that are so aspirational that it's not believable, and then you'll have a tagline or a nickname, as you said, mm-hmm. Patrick, that is just kind of people like they kind of that? furrow their brow and go like Silicon Valley, Really? Beach. Yeah, I mean, it's it some things work. that just uh, I I don't know if this is sticky or, or real right now, but I heard at one point that Oxnard had uh, a tagline offered to them, the International City, uh, well, or that uh, was it. Uh, Valencia was Awesome Town. Yeah, um, you know, and, and by the way, that's not a jab at any one of those cities, but sometimes the efforts are a little bit um, a little bit thin and mm-hmm. really not tapping into something that people mm-hmm. can really believe. Mm-hmm. So we told Ventura, you don't need a tagline. What you need, in fact, your tagline is what two people in a car that spent the weekend here say to each other right. as they right. as they drive down the one hundred and one. Right.
1: What's what's the what's the sense that's in the taste of their mouth as they leave? Yeah. Not not what did you because nobody. I, I mean I don't know how many towns you've you've driven into where you see it kind of like welcome to you know welcome to all America blah 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 and, yeah. and the ta- and exactly that the tagline's like boy that doesn't seem to fit this place it seems right. like they bought that now Gilroy like pretty- Gilroy gets
2: it it's like <laughs> yeah
0: <government Right>. capital <laughs> of <laughs> the world <laughs> you're like bingo <laughs> yeah smell that smell that one yeah, yeah on, right yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm I'm curious about how you have adapted. You've been doing this 25 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, together, you've d- we've been doing this. Everything has changed in terms of get, getting attention from people. We're bombarded. We hear it all the time. I mean, it's just like now. It's not get the app on the phone. It's get on your home screen. Get on your home page. Right? Mm-hmm. How do I open it? How do I? I mean, and that's just apps. Just everything is trying to get attention from us how, and we're all just slammed but so, how do
1: you get me to go find you
0: uh, all all of uh, like don't no, put no, me in front it's, of it like, yeah. how do i get you just to pay attention for just long enough to earn another minute from you that's all i want to do so you get you guys charge a lot i mean you're a big
2: deal mm-hmm. Firm that is very, trusted. They're
1: very, they're very economical. Actually, I think yeah. you'll find that the price points are really appropriate.
2: <laughs> you guys just keep going. This is perfect. <laughs> Go ahead. You're identifying our new pricing strategy. But it, <laughs>
0: But but the thing is is I want to come to you as the expert because you know, this is what you do all day and this is what your people do all day, all long, all day long. Yeah. And I, you know, I work for J. Walter Thompson, yep. a big client, yeah, right? And I've got and uh, all of that. So, Are you and, asking and,
1: when somebody showed up with the wrong thing and you turned it well, around? Well,
0: no, it's it's... Mm-hmm. This is a huge, I'm, I'm thinking of the small business person who's yeah. listening right yeah. now is trying to figure out, how do I get people to pay attention to my business? And, and you're
2: dealing with you know huge brands, mm-hmm. but it's the same problem for all of us. Well, I think we're kind of, we're finding, and I don't know that this was something we you know had an epiphany and just knew overnight, but I think what we're finding now is by getting to a, a, an operational plane that the big companies wished they could operate in authentically, like in this startup, kind of a small, scrappy, right, right, true story, right. authentic roots kind of a space. Um, the more we behave in that area, the better we're able to connect even the bigger brands to this sort of a, a, a tribal type of mindset that exists in consumer spaces. Because Most of them are suffering because they have become so large that it's difficult for them to stay in touch with a market that's so big. um, Especially the ones that have driven their most recent, you know, value and growth in more, you know, international distribution and things that don't necessarily make them more valuable in any one market. It's just a broader reach, larger margin, um, or at least larger uh, distribution and revenues. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're connecting deeper on a small level. Well. As they're doing that and they're they're striving to have a good stock earnings report, they're not necessarily connecting better in the markets that that they were born in. So where they're losing is they're losing to it's kind of a death by a thousand cuts. There's all these mm-hmm. small startups, mm-hmm. small companies. You know, you look at Starbucks versus the the two or three baristas that open. You know, they're run by 22 year olds and they open up down the street and they're connecting with people in a way that maybe a larger brand has a difficult time connecting on that level. So we actually became very entrepreneurial. We, we opened a few startups. We started, launched a couple well, of businesses. Um, and part of it was our kind of our restlessness and our own curiosity. Um, and, and the other part of it is the desire to get to where we kept hearing our clients wanting to push toward, which is, how do we act entrepreneurial when we're a Fortune 100 company? Mm. I've got,
1: it's, what you are is you're the rock and roll band that goes back and plays the club gig. Because you need to <laughs> you need to remember what it feels like to be in front of fifty drunk people that don't know your name. That's
2: but that's classic. Yeah, but I love that. But that's it, it, right? right? But no, in, well, yeah.
1: Inside of inside of that statement was something that I I very often we sit around and we come up with these these lame brain like we're not experts on any given subject but we'll pretend to be, mm. and so we throw something out and I'm like oh this is how business really works and uh, I need somebody like you to come in and say no what you're talking about there is this and it actually works like this. What I what I am seeing is uh, that the car industry has done. Uh, uh, they created the Honda Gray Civic, the gray Honda Civic. It's mm-hmm. it's nobody's least favorite. It's nobody's favorite. It will sell, a uh, you know, a million units mm-hmm. because it's just it fits comfortably. It Doesn't get in anybody's way, but it also doesn't create a legend. It doesn't create any like, uh, but every but it's the perfect example of knocking off all of the sharp edges and bringing it right down to just like a car that will run three hundred thousand miles without any problem, and yep. everybody loves it. Yep. Uh, but nobody but nobody loves loves it. And, and what, what I'm seeing now in this market, in this this thing of so many choices, is not that you need to appeal to everyone, that you need to appeal so strongly to one niche audience that other people will take notice and want to become part of that interesting niche hmm. audience.
2: Yeah, and, I think that's well said, and I think there's a there's a tendency. You know, we all know that everybody wants to stand out and disrupt. Like, how do you how do you yell louder or differently enough to get people to but turn if, turn their head? But if I
1: turn all of the dials to, to eleven over here on this it's, mixer it's board, You can't disagree. hear anything. Yeah. So so it's like you have to find a way to get everybody else to mix down.
2: Well, that's that's right. So it kind of circles back a little bit to this data because when you think about what is the predominant behavior, what's the predominant taste, you may love coming out with all these epicurean ice creams, but vanilla is still going to win. <laughs> and you may yep. you may cor- you know um, with Chevy, I don't believe they've ever made any profit with the Corvette. No, of course you not. Yeah, but it it pulls people into the into the showroom. They go, oh look at the Corvette. I'll take a Cavalier, mm. or I'll take you right. know something else. Right. And. that that is a there even with our beer company we started in nevada we we developed kind of an american style kind of a bright lager Mm -hmm. because of all the ipa triple ipa quadruple ipa wit saison you know double pumpkin nut brown ale (laughs) stuff you hear about in craft brew which is a phenomenal space but still with all of that nationally only 10 to 11 beers consumed in north america are in that craft beer space the other nine are bright loggers, kinda of like your Budweiser type profile. So, you, do you wanna, are you gonna try and change that? That's what people want. Um, and I think when, when brands try to behave as if they're going to change some of those truths, mm. um, you, you tend to stumble because you're you're kind of fighting against a tide of what people just want.
1: Well, what is proven over the last 75 years to, like, like, or, or that forgetting history, uh, the logger, we used to have IPAs, mm-hmm. you know, nationwide. We used to have ciders. We used to have all this stuff, and the logger won, not not because. I mean, the, my point being is that the fight already got had back in 1927 or whenever, mm-hmm. uh, Anheuser Bush uh, essentially won that fight, yeah. and uh, and pushed that forward. So you can either fight back against that, like, well, let's have that fight again. Yeah. Or you could identify what were the successes that they, they made.
2: That's fair. And and there's always room for a revolution. Sure. Right? But it has to be it has to come from a deeper place than it's not you don't you don't market strategize a revolution. I mean I don't believe that <laughs> necessarily you know, you don't you don't sit well, in a room and, and do that. So Okay, so there
0: there is an inflection point. There's a something that happens that does that. I mean, I'm thinking of the kids and the gun violence right now. Mm. Uh, you know, that is um, that that is a movement that happened in you know in in 17 minutes, and and the mm. way they've responded to that that is can have a profound change. Yeah. Um, I hope. Just, no, it is. I'm. I. I, I have tremendous uh, hmm. hope in what's happening, and, and especially when you look back at the civil rights movement was led by kids. The Vietnam movement was led by kids. We. I, there's got to be. There's
1: got to be a tipping point. They're,
0: yeah. they're totally going to do it. But yeah. I want to mm-hmm. get back because I. I like to use the show as a masterclass, mm. to because we we like get. I I do. I like that (laughs) word. It's a good word. It's a great word. I mean, I I love. It's. I. I like to go to the music academy and sit in a master class and even though I don't, never want to be an opera singer. Right. I love Marilyn Horn talking to a twenty-year-old and just going there and just like getting the best out of it. So you are, are you know this strategic creative thinker saying like right now we have all this noise. I love the analogy we said if I turn all these knobs to 11 I can't hear anything. Mm -hmm. So how do you help a brand become a center of gravity?
2: Yeah Uh, well sometimes if it's a if it's a legacy brand that's been around a long time and there are a lot of them sometimes it's coming to the realization that your heritage is baggage.
1: Ooh, and Ooh.
2: and that's something that we we've been seeing that kind of burbling up for a while, yeah. and that's nothing we really came up with. It's just sort of an observation, mm-hmm. you know, to say, oh, we've been around for hundred years, or we're the first to start at this category. That's not what makes people really care, um, and and there was an era where brands were the uh, the brand itself was the hood ornament.
1: Standing on that. Standing right. On it, that, it was that,
2: basically saying, legacy. like, look, it was about credibility. Well, right. you know, now we're kind of becoming, if you go through all the ages, as, as I might call them, of brand, you know, brand was first developed to create identity for, like, where something came from. It came from, you know, uh, Joe, Joe's Dairy Farm or whatever. Right. So you knew kind of who had it, who, who made it. Providence. And who trust. Right, prominence, exactly. Then, then it became something where it was a, a delineator amongst competition. Mm. Right. So now you've got three different types of flower you could buy. Well, which how do you identify those? Well, that's where branding kind of took off.
1: Because and theoretically, of course, this this flower, I'm a, my identity is attached to this flower.
2: Right. Exactly. And, that, and 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 there was now all of a sudden pride comes in right. and, and then all of a sudden your values start creeping up. But it went through this whole uh, genesis and this whole lineage. I think we went through I think brand is now becoming a, a construct of uh, of really stewardship. Hmm. And, and relationship. I mean, relationship isn't new. That, it's always been there for many, many decades. But uh, in terms of brand being about stewardship, it's really about are we being responsible as a company in in, in ways that uh, people can, can grab onto, again, a values connection, because more and more people are being conscious and caring about that. Um, but also just kind of stewarding things that, we're not just gonna sell you something hard because we have margin in it. like. It, that's that's responsibility. I think we have a responsibility as a company, and our agency has been trying to push over time to say, what can we really work on that's good for people, good for the planet, and can actually pr- provide some sort of a long-term value as opposed to it just being commerce. Is the however is this approach? Uh, I'm going to say a coastal elite approach. There's <laughs> definitely it's definitely a bubble <laughs> thing because when you look at, at you know consumption across you know the mass markets, a Gen Pop type of a, a split on things. Um, those those ideologies are not widely held everywhere right, right. you know there's still uh, you know pop-tarts are doing very well right and and that's fine because that's <laughs> yeah, the, there's no, the, the market it. for it got so it. but I think what we have to do is we do realize that there are places where things begin um, in fact where you are here in Santa Barbara I mean there's there's a lot of kind of deep movement a lot of fresh very thinking, um, yeah. and it's a vital type of place to live so while it may not be a, a massive uh, city like New York the fresh thinking that occurs in some of these places, which Mm -hmm. is partly why we are located where we're located, because there's inspiration. And that kind of larger shift, although it may lag shorter and shorter periods of time, it might lag a decade. But some of those shifts, like people in the Midwest, not to pick on the Midwest, excuse me, but more rural parts of our country, they're becoming more and more conscious of even looking at labels. It may not drive their purchase decision as much as some other groups, but they're they're becoming more aware of well, how much protein should I be eating? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, mm-hmm. you know, how come I can't pronounce the things in an ingredient statement? You know, what is this non-GMO thing? They may not be driving their decisions, but they're becoming more and more aware. Um, and again, that's not a regional comment. It's really a, a, a consumer population comment. But it, it's it's spreading, though. And knowledge is becoming more and more ubiquitous. And I think as that spreads and people become more aware, some of those aspirations can start to drive behavior. I'm going to get back
0: to this Getting the noise, getting above the noise and the clutter. And I'm thinking of uh, Tom Cruise in the mall in Minority Report walking down and the targeted messages coming to him. And and Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. we even get we're getting messages kind of just in time on our phones. It knows (laughs) we're in the store. It knows we're in the it kind of maybe even knows I'm hungry or no. I mean, all of that's really happening where is that going?
2: Is it, is it mm-hmm. going even more than Minority Report? Well, I, I'm, I may not be a, a, a foremost expert in, in identifying that. I, I would say that there are um, people in the ad agency spaces that spend their waking nights you know, staring at the ceiling trying to figure out how to better reach a specific target. And, and it's a worthwhile exercise, especially if we can do it in a way that people actually are more welcoming to as opposed to being bombardment. But one thing I will say is as we help our clients try to break through that, whether we're doing a digital strategy or or a, a base level business strategy, it's to try and find ways to give some of the control to the consumer mm. to make those decisions and kind of partner with them on their choices as opposed to trying to just drive their choices. Um, well, one example, a super commercialized example would be when Frito-Lay did the Do Us a Flavor campaign. So okay. it's basically like, okay, well, Lay's. We'd like to sell more Lay's chips. Okay, great, how are we gonna do that? We're already one of the largest brands on planet Earth. I mean, a <laughs> massive mm-hmm, brand. Mm-hmm. How do we sell more? Well, is it just coming up with more flavors? We've done that. Is it, is it just improving our distribution? I'm not sure where we're not being sold already. So how do you do that better? Well, they, they came up with a, it was really a promotion. They basically said, hey, what kind of flavors would you guys like to see on a potato chip? And people are coming up with, you know, cappuccino and cheeseburger mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and all these other mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. And and it became, it went from a promotion to becoming an entire platform for them that is now on, its, I believe, its fourth uh, generation.
1: You can customize your chip.
2: Yeah, well, you, you can at least propose flavors that nobody else mm. has really thought of. And if if the crowd of people that like chips vote enough for that, it becomes something that actually gets produced and is distributed through stores. And But you're kind of giving a little bit of the brand to people when you do that. You're actually sharing the ownership. It's a relationship. And you're putting things – my other point would be putting things in uh, to where people are seeing it as part of them having a little bit more control over their, their own – uh, choices and that that's not an easy thing to do but look at how a lot of companies are using uh, say Instagram for their marketing purposes you know you find somebody who has 30 or forty thousand followers because they're an interior designer or a fashionista but they make one statement about the gap or they make one statement about a museum right. and and all of a sudden the gap is sending them a year's supply of clothing for their children and, and you know because and, and rolling out the carpet because that money is well spent because it, it's sort of like um it's advocacy from the people for the people, as opposed to it being a one-way dialogue where a company is advertising right. or strategically placing messages. We
1: trust micro endorsers. We entrust these people who are yeah. who are like they influence have, us, right? Yes. But but on a but like, like like Tom Cruise isn't going to influence me as much as oh I actually met her yeah. or, or, or I saw her and so you know I've with her kids.
0: So, so, so if we go back to um, we, we want to connect on values, mm-hmm. not value mm-hmm. and values get to relationship, we talked about connection and significance and all of that, um, this influencer strategy mm. as a tactic for brands feels like it's it's hotter
2: now than it's ever been. <laughs> Is that true? Uh, I hope so. I hope so, because um, otherwise it really is more of a one-way dialogue. I mean, it, it's right now it's about having people who uh, can interpret who you are and and actually uh, share that with people in a way that's credible. Um, and, and I think that is sort of the nature of the entire social media platform, is who's right. leading in the dialogue, right. who's right. trending. And, right. and, you know, and I think right. uh, while it, kind of looks like uh, a bag of cats you know from the outside because it seems like how do you rein that in and control it <clears throat> there are a lot of deep strategies and a lot of agencies that really work at extracting uh, strategies and methods through the data to get those influencers to to actually be in your camp it's it's staggering how effective that can be if you get yeah. the
0: right and now this is going to come back to that targeting, an audience. So now I'm saying, okay, I'm going to target. So I know that these are the people who like my, would most likely to buy this thing I have to sell. Mm -hmm. And they're paying attention to this, either a a micro-influencer or an influencer. I'm thinking of uh, Goop. Um, There's a (laughs) bunch of people that do not like her at all, Gwyneth Paltrow. But then there's people who love her. And she puts a product, an example of a friend who they launched a product with her, and it was, it was like $75,000 to get her to just say, hey, I yeah.
2: like this goopy lotion, whatever the heck yep. it was.
0: <laughs> but they sold $350,000 in 48
2: hours. You bring up one principle that I think is super important, and this is uh, something I've kind of found to be true again and again and again. The best brands are willing to polarize. Hmm. Oh, if you're not huh. because and because there, there's well, usually a tendency, there has been a tendency, uh, back to our earlier days of really getting into branding and, and packaged goods and things, where it was like, how many good things can I say about myself to appeal to the most people? And if we put that in human terms, because people have always said, well, brands are like people, are they really? Because I know some real jerks. Yeah. So right, 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 so right, right. there are brands that that kind of ha- had the wrong idea about what authenticity looks like. So if you think about um, if if I was, if I said everything I wanted to say to make Patrick like me, but then I talk to turn my head to you, Mark, and I say whatever I think you want to hear, so that you'll like me, Patrick's going to think that I'm a politician. A DB. Yeah, I mean, it's like, okay, wow, really? So all of a sudden, there's no real connection between Patrick and I because I betrayed and him no trust by changing who I am to you. And brands tend to be they try to be all things to all people, and which makes them no one to everyone. Exactly. Do you want to have ten percent of the people who just loathe you? And maybe 30% who are okay with you, but, you know, 60 who love you? Or do you want to have 95% that are like, okay, if you exist, (laughs) you know? And, and then when I go back to our startup mindset, one of my principles, even with, um, say, ownership of equity in a small startup, I'd rather have 10% of a watermelon than 90% of a grape we have to be smart about what we do in commerce and by being willing to polarize you're actually allowing people to exercise choice i'm giving you reasons it's okay if you don't love or like what i am or what i make if people aren't don't come to terms with that they will struggle and they will all they'll wonder 10 years later why they don't have a real following and a loyalty i mean you look at like, at harley davidson i mean you go on and on and on they they really don't care if everyone loves them. They they know that their branded sound, which is a an owned piece of IP, the sound of their bikes rumbling really? down. Yeah, yeah, they own that. Honda yeah. suit. Oh they, really? They yeah. sued Honda one time what? for for coming out with a bike that sounded like you know their that throttle. They, they wanted to okay. yeah.
1: trademark and copyright it. Yeah.
2: They won. So, but they know huh. that that sound to a certain part of our population, people grimace, plug their ears, and curse Harley Davidson.
1: Which makes the okay. People. Yeah.
2: They're they're okay with that. Because by giving me choice, I can either love you or ignore you. But by giving me that choice, you've empowered me as a consumer.
1: And, but also you've got a group of people, the users, the, the people who are using Harley Davidson, um, the people who are purchasing Harley Davidson, are now purchasing and holding on to part of that as an identity of I am a rebel. I do not care who mm-hmm. I offend. I do not care. I like that my bike is annoys you. It annoys <laughs> you and has and not only that but my the company that sold me this bike made sure that I'm allowed to do that. Like yeah. that's that's a mm. that's a, you know, yeah. a, a brand identity where you're like you're putting it on the mantle and you're like, "Yeah, but you know they they're like they're that's a big motorcycle company. You're not a custom guy anymore. That's a you're Patrick, you're buying you're, Coca-Cola."
2: You're right. And in fact, it's not even just about the brand being willing to have some swagger. It's they're looking at consumer insights. So when they get to know people who uh, are the typical profile of someone who would ride a Harley or yeah. would have an affinity toward that or who would might even tattoo it on their arm, mm. right? Which mm. is incredible. Which is, oh, that, oh, kind oh, of, what, that kind of kind of badge value right? is off the hook, right? You so, get a
1: brand put on your body?
2: That's always been sort of like – And in fact, I will tell you, that Ventura identity I told you about, we found a guy that tattooed it on his there arm. There you go. There and you I, I thought, okay, I can retire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> someone dad to get a brand on their I've always
1: ahead. said that, that that the mark of a good band is uh will a kid carve the name of the band <laughs> in a desk at school yeah, or on his it, favorite guitar. Yeah. if you've done that, if you got if <laughs> you've got a, a logo that somebody's willing to like sit there and carve during class like Metallica, yeah. you've you've that's But
2: you know, I look at like Harley's ads. They've done ads before that say, you know, uh for the for the little bit of outlaw in you, right. like I've seen an yep. ad that said that, oh. or or the Hummer oh. Hummer ran an ad one time a print ad for the H two I believe, and it said it said what what does what does sensibility have to do with it? Yeah, and that was yeah. their ad because they recognize look if you're sensible you're probably not going to buy a Hummer, right? So it, we've already you know, lost
1: you. There's no point in advertising. And it's to
2: you. okay because yeah. for the people who go you know what I'm actually willing to be honest with myself that. I don't necessarily make all sensible decisions, and I'm willing to go there with you because you're acknowledging it too. Mm-hmm. So you're not making it feel like I need to have it. And
0: so there's the, so I'm going to bring it back. That is connecting the values right. between what the business goals, strategy are with the trends and culture and how someone deals with choice,
2: yeah. right? So you built a bridge there. Yeah. And I think, I think I got to tell you, I think for I have a real bee in my bonnet in my career about, about this proliferation of choice it's it's a problem and and i think uh and i mean that in a very sober way whether it's food or genes or whatever it might be the uh, overabundance of choice i think has caused a paralysis in our society yeah. and oh, okay. a deep deep sense of there's dissatisfaction there's some like, great ted talks on it yeah there's a oh, great article yeah, is, about is, this in the new yorker yeah. the other day yeah. yeah and there and there's there are there are ted talks that go back quite a ways that hit on this and it's it's, well. it's only getting yeah. worse i mean or bigger um, and so I, I like to feel that by being willing to polarize, yeah. by by accepting that you're not going to be all things to all people, um, you help people navigate choice. Uh-huh, you know, because, it, it, yeah, it's, it's you know, not
1: – the choices are, are now – you're giving more information to the person making the choices that are like, I, I do align myself with that. Yeah,
2: and it's okay that you don't need my brand. Right. And that's going to help our – because we say the consumer. We're all consumers. Right. I mean, right, that's, that's right. sort of the weird duality, I think, that hit me at one point. And it was kind of one of those teachable moments. I know you, you have a, a, a great trend of hitting those on your shows. And um, it, one of those teachable moments was, wait a minute. I'm here talking about consumers to a company that markets to consumers. <laughs> and we're wondering what they think. And yet we are one. Mm-hmm. You know, right. And, and right, wait right, a minute. Right, right, so, right. so getting out of my own way. And realizing how do I make decisions. Right. right. It's you know, just because you're you're a a brand designer or an entrepreneur doesn't mean that you don't think like and have the same subconscious decision making process as a lot of people do. Because most of those professional lenses that I have are left brain processes, not not emotional ones as much. Mm. I still walk through the store like a lot of people. I might have different conscious thinking as I go through a store, but but the way I pick up a carton or choose between two boxes of cereal or the way I shop for jeans, you know, in, in uh, at a retailer, is not that different from everybody else because, you know, we all make more emotional decisions than we recognize, and we can't verbalize our why. Like that's why focus groups can be such a joke because you can't just sit down and go, "Why did you pick that one?" Uh, I like blue. Why blue? You know, and you like start of drilling down as if that probing is getting to any kind of a deep ma- meaningful truth. It doesn't. You're really saying, you know. I'm asking you why you did something that you don't even understand why you right. did it. So when you get to this consumer insight space about understanding why someone would want to harvest, what are you connecting fascinating to? Fascinating it's stuff. it's more psychology than marketing for no, it's sure. All like psychology. I think we all know that, right? <laughs> yeah. But but yeah. sometimes we try to codify these things well, and, and put sure. a flow chart together for what makes your agency different and it's a joke. We say our process is what you're gonna need on the next job. That's our process. <laughs> That's your slogan? That's it? I've said that. And I try to avoid showing diagrams, and people say, "Well, I need to kind of know what your process is." Well, yeah, you don't want to see my diagrams. Uh, so, yeah. a, so, so, I want to ask Show you that. A rats nest.
0: So the, the person who's, who's listening, there's this thing called the pitch. <laughs> and the the pitch is uh, advertising parlance for um, you know you've you've had the first meeting with the client you understand what the brand is what where they want to go, and then you go back and and you look at the data and you, and you come up with some clever words and you get some great art and you if you've watched Mad Men you figure that out and then you go back and you pitch the boss yes right who's not. The person who's buying the product, by the way, yeah. uh, they're just That's the person right. signing the check. Yep. And uh, I'm curious, how have pitches changed
2: in the? And I want to be very specific in the last three years. Okay, mm. in the last three years, uh, for me, pitches have changed in that we're we're becoming more and more human and less about process. We're trying mm. to break it down to the human movement within the business, and that means not just the consumer human movement, but even within the culture of the company,
1: are you talking about the language that you're using when talking to this to a potential client? Right. You're not using the the pitch. You're not pitching. Yeah. The,
2: the pitch is you know the whole concept of sitting in a room around a conference room table and staring at a projected image on a wall. Right. Car right. salesman. <laughs> um, for me, that is the anti-pitch. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that, no. that's that's that you're at the nub of it now. Yeah. That's the anti-pitch because I'm basically saying. Look, at look at this. The very fact that we're all turning our heads to the right to look at a projected image is, is actually one of the things that would make us as an agency me too, is we're all kind of agreeing that this is the number one construct for us to do business instead of turning that stupid thing off and staring at each other and having a conversation. Mm-hmm. So we would t- typically come into a pitch now, instead of saying, here's about us, we start, you ask for concrete details. We go into pitches and, and first of all, we, Work through that mindset that it's not a pitch, Mm -hmm. like we're we're starting it. We're dating, so let's get in there and Mm -hmm. let's get to know each Mm -hmm. other, Mm -hmm. and and perhaps that means sharing some vulnerabilities. Thank Uh, you. It means sharing uh, some goals, human goals, not just oh my brand needs to be at a a ten percent growth bubble by the end of this next FY. It's about well, what? Okay, you're a brand manager. We've worked on this brand for ten years. What's your goal? Because. Everybody wants to put their fingerprint on a brand. So how do we help you with... Because if you win and the company wins, then we all win. That's, there's a win-win-win.
1: How much of that meeting is also you, f- them convincing you to work with them? Because you're not nobody. Right. And having, and, and that client mm. sitting in front of you, there's got to be a whole bunch of you trying to figure out how to re- make them reveal themselves. Yeah. So you know, shit, is this going to be yeah. 10 years of, of just hating that I said yes today?
2: Well... Again, a couple of things we've talked about that answer your question. What are the shared values? Mm-hmm. And if there aren't any, mm-hmm. you're probably in trouble. Yeah. Leave. And number two, are you willing to polarize? And as an agency, if I'm – and I hate that word agency even. Steve and I talk about how do we <laughs> redefine what Firm? an agency even is because, no. <laughs> you know, again, that friend that is willing to tell you a pepper in your teeth, there's a yeah. certain amount of candor and dishonesty and a little bit of uh, a willingness to not be liked. Yeah. And by the way, if I can – We've gotten a lot of great feedback over the years that we're a very human relational company that's action-oriented and and all these great things that are super affirming and make you feel good. But amidst that, that proves that when you have a good relationship, you can have the tougher conversations that are more meaningful because it's not just transactional. Right. And, right, and your right.
1: job's not on the table. You know that's always that thing about like when you come in to have a conversation and it's going to be a hard conversation. Can we just establish right now that I'm not getting fired today? At the end of the you know, like, like <laughs> right. can we just have like right. step one? I'm not leaving you. You know we're not. Yeah, we're not <laughs> yeah, having a yeah. breakup. This is just yeah. a discussion about yeah. salary. Yeah. yeah. And that's and that's like having that that lo- that tighter relationship with your client means that that not every conversation potentially could fall off a cliff at any moment.
2: Well, that that's correct. In fact, um, you br- you kind of reminded me of that classic. Scene from Jerry Maguire, you know, help me, help you. Mm. When he's in the locker room with Cuba Gooding Jr. and and Tom Cruise is just like he's so wound up and frustrated. He's lost all of his clients. It's like his only guy, and he just this guy is so me centric, and and he's just like help me, help you, help me, help you. I mean, he's just that's is so desperate to get him to yeah. know that I am your I'm your advocate. I'm here for you
1: if you let me.
2: If you let me, but sometimes we tell our clients, "Look, there's going to be times like we hear about. Well, we don't like agencies who push back. Um, well, I know what they. Oh, mean. they'll tell you that. Oh yeah, and I. Well, they, uh, it's they, okay. They,
0: I'm happy with the pepper in my teeth. Exactly. Thank you.
2: Well, but the fun, that's a great point, Mark. That, that is, there's some of that, and and as we know, this is a human characteristic. You're going to come across people who are threatened by outside partners to begin with, because mm. it almost says by using outside partners uh, it's because I can't pull it off internally or or if you do such a great job who's going to get the credit you or me mm. again these are human characteristics. Yeah, so it has totally, nothing to totally, do totally, with totally. any one company yeah, yeah. Um, we all struggle with that I think at some point so uh, but but the idea of them saying you know you being here could either that's why I got back to saying how can we help you? Like, what is the thing that keeps you up at night? The, Mark, the human, not the company. Correct. So, Mark, right. you called right, us, right, 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 and you represent right, a right. Fortune One Hundred. Right. But what's keeping you awake at night? What yep. are the pressures piling up yep. on your desk? If your boss was going to yell at you for anything in the next <laughs> week, what would it be about? And and sometimes those are things we can have an effect on, and sometimes those are way out of our purview. But the fact that I might know what it is yeah. creates relationship for us, and I can and and. Because when the client calls with a pain in the ass request or a fire drill for you, it's really easy as an agency on the other end of a phone line to like, you know, you do it and you say you're going to do it, but you hang up the phone. And I've seen people grumble, again, very human. It's normal. But if you really, we talk about empathy all the time, but it's rarely really employed. If I really spend time with our client in person, wherever, wherever, wherever they are, It gives me a chance to understand their world and their pressures, and I like my clients more when I'm with them in person because it's not just based on, I need this from you, and by the way, I'd love to pay you less than you're charging me. (laughs) Yeah, no, right. Right? (laughs) Our
0: pods are better in person. Oh, yeah. This show is a thousand times better in person. And… It's, it's to your point of it's, it's a relationship, not a transaction. It's why, you get on, it's why it's important to you to get on the plane and go be with people. And I think the teachable moment there is what you said, which is, do you have a strong relationship with that person that you're doing business with? Forget the brand, forget all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. You want to take that person to lunch. You want to hang out with that person. You want to have them over to your house. Yeah. You care about what matters to them, and we don't have. We tend to not have that conversation yeah. with people. We tend to go right to the business. Like, how you doing? How are the kids? How's it? You know that stuff. But you here's a teachable moment, kids. Pay attention. And <laughs> if you didn't already stop the pod, go back and listen to the part about the best brands are willing to polarize because that was epic. The understanding of uh, we don't do MBOs anymore, which mm. is managed by objectives. In large companies, they do. And if you're selling enterprise, you ask the guy, "How are you measured? How are you paid?" They'll mm. go, "What? What do you mean?" He says, "Well, do you get a bonus? Yeah. What's bonus based on? Making money or saving money?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. "Oh, saving money. Okay, good. Bottom How line. can I help you save money?" Yeah. Cause that's all he cares about. I, do I get the bonus? Do we get to go to, to Jamaica or whatever this year? Cause when I go home, that's what matters.
2: Mark, it's a, it's a perfect narrative. And I, th- I think that that is where if I, and some people don't want to ask that question.
0: You have to because, ask that
2: question. Cause a lot of agencies want to, and again, I'm only talking about this construct of agencies. It gets a little pedestrian, I apologize, but that's sort of the centerpiece of what we're talking about. In that relationship, there tends to be a, a proclivity to want to justify why we should charge you a lot of money. And and I I try I try to change that conversation with our clients. I try to let them know. Look, sometimes you just need me to give you a lift to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. You don't. You're not mm-hmm. looking for a mm-hmm. tour around the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's personally led and with you know the gold star concierge service. And in our case, that might be highly strategic, disruptive, best in class. You know, seniors from our company involved. It might mean look. You just need a, you just need a quick bit of maintenance on something. Let's dust that off, get it done, call it done because if I can show that economy of scale and that nimbleness, yeah I'm factoring in not only your business objectives, but your I don't want to give you headaches. If, if, I, if you love working with me, but every time you need something small, it your... costs you five times what you think it should. That puts tension in our relationship and frankly jeopardizes all my future business with you.
0: Yeah, we look at long-term account value. Like It's like if it's a long-term relationship, it is business, so I don't want to be afraid to talk about money, Yeah, right? But it's like, well, do I want to make a big pop now or do I want to have this business for a long time? And guess what? You're going to tell 100 people how much you love working with a company. Yeah. And I'm looking at the clock now and we we're, <laughs> we're we're going into our one of our Death our couple. longer longer episodes. He I, knows he knows I, I won't let him pop it over an
1: hour cuz if he goes over an hour God, the, it alarms, dies, it dies, klaxons going and, dies in the hopper. Nobody yeah, listens to uh, it. So yeah, we're going to we're going to wrap quick.
0: Here we go. And John, this um this conversation is one I I, I think is so vital to businesses to understand how you communicate, how do you connect with your audience, what are those you know those things, and I think it's applicable across whether it's or public sector, field. Yeah, private matter, sector, yeah. education. I mean, these are all, we're, uh, to your point, we're all humans mm-hmm. doing this. Uh, Noah Ben said, if you think there's a difference between your nine to five and your five to nine, you're, you're horribly mistaken. Mm. Right? Great. It's all the I love same. That. Thank you so much for coming to the show. And Greg, I know you're listening. Thank you for um, uh, putting John up on our radar. Though you were on my radar, I love getting, you know, Patrick, you know what I get invited to do? T- tell me what you get invited to do. This is good. So they um, have a, a bunch of food.
1: So you're you're Clients. just you just you're like how can I get Patrick to have some FOMO? Go ahead, go ahead. Tell me what you get to do that I don't get to do. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> so they will have a client yeah. who will say, "How do we get into this new space, food mm. space?" Sure. And so they do these evenings, mm-hmm. and I've been to several of them, where we sit down and brain just eight, ten of us mm-hmm. brain were fed nicely, yeah. brainstorm what that new space. I'm not gonna. Uh, divulge what any of those exercises were, because of the but they were yeah. really interesting. Like they have these vision cards, which are p- just photographs of stuff, and you pick three of them randomly, and you have to make a product out of that that fits this mm. idea of the thing you're trying to solve. Mm. And it is, it is like my most fun. I love creative problem solving, and I love. Like, you're really at understanding that. Do you, do you, I think you oh, love, I think fun. you
1: love when you actually give somebody uh, a bit of advice, a bit of help, and they do something with oh, it. Oh, God. Because yeah. it, it, yeah, I think it hurts a little bit inside when you say to somebody, like, hey, you know what you could do with that? You tell them and then they never do it. And you're like,
0: like oh. um, from cloud to table?
1: From cloud to table. I have no idea what you're talking about.
0: We had a guy who uh, has a oh, co- company that takes um, moisture out of the air mm. and turns it into distilled water that you can drink. Cloud okay. to table. And I said, that's, dude, that's cloud to table. He goes, oh, that's great. And so I've gone and busted them for not you. I said, I gave that to you. It is free. You don't right. have to go pay an agency for that. That is <laughs> cloud a, to table. I Dude, ga- that is you it. A, I gave you your t-shirt. I gave you your... <laughs> oh my God, that's you, your hashtag. That's
1: your tattoo. I gave <laughs> you awesome. your... That's awesome. Like, it's you, memorable. I right? gave you an, a, pretty much an entire new industry. You yeah. know, I mean, farm to table is a whole thing. So yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah so it's so a good anyway. That's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I and loved it. Absolutely. And, and, and your honor, I reserve the right to recall the witness... Yeah, we'd love be, to have you back on the show. Cause I'd love is... to. There's
2: a lot of other things we could uh, peel back and, and talk about. I think there's uh, it, it, the, things are moving fast in our world, and it's an exciting time. It's nothing to be afraid of. But our new normal is faster, and our new normal yeah, is, is. Uh, highly entrepreneurial, and, and the opportunity is taking more forms than ever before, um, both in municipalities. I mean, look at the, the difficult times we've had in well, our yeah, communities well, in the, the last couple months. We talk about the chamber. And Whole other thing that, there, right. but uh, it, it's not really that different. Yeah, yeah.
1: I just, I it's it's really exciting to hear. I don't know a level of conversation from business leaders that that kind of seem to get it. So yeah, so that's what's Patrick. exciting for yeah.
0: me. Yeah, you, you had said something about um, is it, one of you said something as long as it is just like everything else, will be fine. You can't have anything new. And <laughs> uh, as a in the in the kitchen, someone would come and say, "Oh, I got a new cookie." I said, "As long as it tastes like a chocolate chip, go crazy." <laughs> it's gotta be a chocolate chip let's keep a baseline (laughs) so as our listener who has stayed almost to the very end here knows um we like to give the guests the opportunity to title the show you're an ad man so and the creative guy so what's
2: the what's the title of the show this conversation we've had i would call it um think better to be better there it is um Yeah, I'll leave it there. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, just so you know, it's always
0: the first one's the best one. Trust your gut. Yeah, so in the car, if I think of something better, I shouldn't email you. (laughs) Don't, please don't. Please don't. Please change all of our email. Mark, I've got 12. Okay. Better Ideas at 805 Conversations. So I want to also thank uh, thank you so much. And we find you you at dupuisgroup.com. Correct. Perfect. Right. Ventura, yeah. And if, you've, if you're you looking for a, a, an agency, you don't have one, or you want to have a better understanding of your brand and how it fits, mm. give these guys a call. They're awesome. Thank I also want to thank California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Greg, thanks for bringing <laughs> us great people. We love it. And our podcasting partner, Polestring Press. If you're interested in partnering with our podcast or Our new thing, if you want to talk to us about creating a podcast for your brand, we're on six or seven of them now that we're doing, Hmm. then they're quite fun. Get a hold of us at partner at 805connect.com. Patrick, how could the the person who's listening, they know that there's going to be another nugget right now. They're waiting for it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, uh, I, am really, I'm stuck on this idea of, well, first off, rate, right, review, let us know what we're yep. doing right, what we're doing wrong, email marked, uh, tell them what's good and what's bad about the show. Uh, we, we are happy to uh, hear all of that information from you, our listener, the most important person in our room. Um, but also I'm really stuck on this idea of, of, of giving this podcast as a gift. Uh, yes. it's, it's if you're going to a house warming party, if you're going to an unexpected birthday party, uh, just they. This will be a clever moment for you. I'm giving you a chance to be a clever person, and just take somebody's phone and say, "I'm going to give you a little gift here. Here's a podcast that you should uh, should get into. Over 175 episodes. Uh, dig back through our back catalog. There is a topic in there that is uh, worth a listen.
0: Absolutely. That's. Um, I love taking someone's phone and, and turn it. They said, "I so, so you listen to podcasts? Yeah." Okay, give me your phone. And I go in there, <laughs> and there's no podcasts on it. Said, yeah. you lying. Yes. But, but you're going to listen to this it, it one. It streams into
2: my car. Right, yeah. 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 And
0: I'm going to give them a couple of them. So that's that's a great tip. Uh, I'd love to hear from you if you got questions or ideas for guests for an upcoming show. Drop me a line, mark at 805connect.com. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. And until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations.